Welcome to the TDL Project. You're listening to the fourth episode of an Arcane recap and reaction series. So basically, in this podcast series, I am re-watching, recapping, and sharing my thoughts on each of the episodes of the fantasy animated show Arcane. It is currently streaming on Netflix. And I am so glad I'm doing this because as of this recording a few days ago, Arcane has officially been renewed for season 2. And I think that is so well-deserved and especially with how Act 3 ended, we definitely need a season 2. I'm very excited about it. I've seen the teaser and I'm not going to describe what happens there just in case you still haven't seen the rest of the series. And if you haven't, why? <laughs> As I always say, this is going to be a detailed recap and obviously we'll include heavy spoilers. And with that, let's start with Arcane Episode 4 titled Happy Progress Day. So it looks like a number of years has passed since the end of Act 3. We see in the opening scene Professor Heimerdinger and Jace having a conversation about the upcoming Progress Day. We learn that Piltover is 200 years old and Progress Day is their annual celebration. The council is recommending that Jace give the speech this year, something that Heimerdinger has always had the honor of doing. Jace was also a little apprehensive, but the professor reassured him that he deserves this honor, especially because the Hex Gates have done wonders for the city. So it looks like Jace and Victor was able to develop the crystals, which made it a vital part of Piltover's current trade channels. The Hex Gates have enabled travel to be more efficient and faster, which in turn has made leaps in terms of trade for the city. The professor also encouraged Jace to present something if there's anything new that they've been working on, since the people love a grand reveal, he said. To which Jace said they actually have something in the works, the next chapter of Hextech, and invited the professor to their lab in the afternoon to show it to him. Silco apparently is now an entrepreneur and has an enterprise, though I highly doubt that this is a legal one. In the next scene, we see Savika, one of his lieutenants, smuggling a shipment of Shimmer, the substance that mutates people into monsters. When they were attacked by a Hoover boarding gang, which were here a policeman called the Firelight, it looked like they wanted to intercept this transfer and destroy the Shimmer barrels. There was an awesome fight sequence, and as two members of the Firelights were examining the basement of the ship, they noticed doodles or markings which made them say, she's here. And of course, this she was none other than Jinx. And this is the first time that we see Jinx, and it was very evident that she now works for Silco. Um, personally, I think that she looks so cool with her bombs and her oversized gun. Even when she was young, she has this affinity with explosives, and it looks like she has mastered this craft of bomb making. So as she was fighting the firelights, one of them was a girl with pink hair who so much resembled her sister Vi. I even thought it was Vi at first. This made her froze and for a few seconds all the memories of Vi leaving her came flooding back. Unfortunately, this triggered something in her to snap and started shooting at everyone on the ship, even her companions. The firelights, some of their members shot dead, seeing that this is a lost battle back down for now. They have successfully destroyed a substantial amount of the cargo anyway. And immediately we can see that Jinx is a little bit unhinged and has demons inside her. Going back to Jace that afternoon, him and Victor were preparing for their demonstration. Professor Heimerdinger came as promised and they showed him a Hextech gemstone. Apparently, they have found the means to fortify the crystals, 
which is supposed to make it stable and absolutely safe. Through this, they can now design portable devices to be powered by the gemstones. Two of their examples were a huge gauntlet and a mechanical arm, which when equipped with a gemstone were indeed way more powerful and efficient. They see the gemstone as a tool to build a new world. However, the professor, although proud of their latest achievement, advised them to give it more time to iron out, maybe a decade more of careful research. Both Jace and Victor were perplexed. They could be improving lives right now. Why wait that long? But what they were not seeing and where the professor was coming from was that although the gemstones are powerful tools for technology, they could be very dangerous when put in the wrong hands. Obviously, they were both frustrated with the professor's stance. Later on that day, Jace confides with Counselor Melmedarda about the professor's reservations. Unlike Heimerdinger, she's more sympathetic to them. And we could say that to a degree, she really has a liking to Jace, but underneath, she also has her own agenda. She said if there's a perfect time to present their new research, Progress Day would be it. She also added that Piltover needs someone who represents the future, which was Jace. She told him that the world is ready for Hextech and that she already spoke to a few investors. At this point, obviously, we don't know if Mel is doing this for Jace's best interest or hers. I really thought that she was a bit shady and I wasn't sure if Jace should be trusting her or following her advice. Let's now go back to what happened to the blown up ship. Caitlin Kiriman is also all grown up now to a young lady. She's now part of the police guard something that her parents pulled strings for to have her posted. We have a feeling that this would not have been her first pick had she was given a choice. She sneaks into the attacked ship, took some pictures of the scene and tried to reimagine exactly what happened through the evidence and the ruins she saw, and found one of Silko's guys injured in the basement. She tried to question him, and before he could say who he was working for, Marcus, now the lead enforcer, caught her. He warned her of interfering with an ongoing investigation again. So she definitely has done something like this before and has put her in graveyard shift later that evening. He was her boss, so she couldn't really go against him. Savika went to the last drop, now run by Silco, to tell him what happened. She was also complaining about how Jinx lost her shit and started shooting at them. Silco dismissed this and tells her it was her job to make sure that everything went smoothly. When Savika left, Silco asks Jinx, who was lying on the ceiling all along about what happened. She told him about the pink-haired firelight girl. Silco said they both knew that Vi is gone, to which Jinx said, I know. So both of them think that Vi is dead, and we also don't know at this point yet what Marcus has done to her after the end of episode 3. In this scene, we see that Silco and Jinx have this weird father and daughter relationship, and Jinx is clearly not all there. Later on, we see Jinx in her, what I call, her own lair. <laughs> it looks like a cave, and she's working on her explosives. I think Silco gave her this space just so she could develop and test her bombs. She was clearly troubled by the pink-haired girl she encountered. She was talking to herself, saying it wasn't her. She just got confused, and she would show Silco that she's not weak. Actually, she was talking to shadows, one of which looks like Milo. Again, we see Jinx having all of these inner demons and mental baggage, and what happened to her in the past has affected her deeply. That evening, during Jace's address, all of Piltover were there and he got a huge reception. 
Before coming up at the podium, it looked like he has his speech ready for presenting their new research. Victor was in the backstage ready to reveal the gemstone. However, Jace was having second thoughts and ultimately decided to not reveal their research after all. Victor was not the only one disappointed. Mel Medarda too, as she stood up and walked out in the middle of his speech. In the meantime, while Jace was giving his speech, Caitlin was doing her night shift when she saw a building, or it was more like a humongous tent, on fire. Her and the other police enforcers ran to investigate. Upon arriving, they hear a childlike voice asking for help because she's trapped. As the enforcers walked inside, there were dynamites hanging all over the place. Caitlin, who was thankfully outside the building, saw this huge doodle marking on the wall, similar to what Jinx used to draw when she was little. Recognizing that it's similar to those of what she saw on the ship, she realized what's about to happen and screamed for them to get out. However, it was too late as the whole place exploded and everyone inside were dead. Caitlin was hit but only lost consciousness. She got a glimpse of Jinx but was not able to make her out clearly before passing out. The gemstone, along with Jesus and Victor's research papers, were gone. In the council meeting that followed, immediately they assumed that this was Undercity's doing. They're worried that someone from Undercity could use it with the right tools if they figured it out. Especially with what they've done with Shimmer, they have the ingenuity to do it. Jace takes accountability for what happened, saying that it was his job to safeguard the technology, but he failed. Realizing the threat it has created, he recommends that Hexgate's operations be stopped until the situation is resolved. The majority of the council was immediately against it. I imagine especially those with heavy investments on it. Pointing out that Piltover's global shipping lane status depends on it and thousands will lose their income. As a compromise, Mel suggests a more quote-unquote radical solution. She proposed that hex gates be remained open, but at the same time, elevate House Talus and make Jace a counselor. As he has the knowledge necessary to secure the hex gates, and as a counselor, he will have access to resources needed to protect all their investment. Everyone in the council voted in agreement. Caitlin was back in their house assembling the pieces of evidence she gathered. She thinks that all the recent attacks are connected to each other. Marcus will have to listen, if she could only figure it out. Jace, who came in to visit, told her that her parents took her off the job after the attack so if she would consider joining his staff instead. Which was a ceremonial position, to be honest. Caitlin was pissed and declined the offer, saying she doesn't need charity. Later on, Caitlin goes to a prison to talk to one of the inmates, the injured one she saw in the ship. However, the guard tells her that the inmate was indisposed after another inmate attacked him. Caitlin was curious to know and went to see who assaulted him. And then, we get the shot of an inmate in a cell. It was Vi. So that's it for my recap of Arcane's episode 4. I was so excited to finally see Vi. So apparently Marcus has locked her up and told Silco that she was dead? Because during that conversation of Silco and Jinx, Silco was telling Jinx that they both knew Vi was gone. So the pink-haired girl with the firelighters could not be her. Jinx, by the way, reminds me of a baby Harlequin. Especially with the way she looks and talks. And like I said, she's clearly affected with what happened years ago. I mean, I totally understand. I don't think I'd be able to recover after accidentally killing my father figure and friends who are also like her brothers. Plus, my sister blaming me and abandoning me. Also, we have to remember that she was 7 when all these happened. 
and Silko was not exactly the best person to be around with. Imagine all the shit he has been telling her. Feel free to connect with me on Twitter at the Tilo Project. I tweet mostly about SFF movies and TV shows that I've recently been watching. I've also done a recap for episodes 1, 2, and 3. You can listen to them as well. I will continue to do the rest of the episodes, so consider following or subscribing to the podcast. Thank you and see you in the next episode.